Blessings to all and welcome to The Mystic Fire. I'm Paul James Caden and in today's podcast message, I would like to talk to you about spirits, specters, and the world beyond this world. It's one thing to listen to a podcast and hear someone talk about what they believe, what they are interested in or things that they've studied and looked into. But it's quite another to know the person who's telling you these things. And that's why in this show, I really wanted to share with you, the listener, some of the experiences that made me who I am, why I believe what I believe, why I'm on the particular spiritual path that I'm currently on. Now, I don't often talk about these things in any great depth because they're personal experiences and I don't feel that they should be put out there for mass consumption, if you will. But then there's always the part of me that says, well, why shouldn't I talk about them? Because maybe they could help someone. But I think perhaps the biggest reason why I don't like to talk about these things so much is that we see a lot of people in the world who say they've had these grand spiritual experiences. And these individuals always come off as being very arrogant, very egotistical, propping themselves up as being modern day apostles and prophets or someone special who is here to lead or teach the masses. And that's something that I never want anyone to think that I'm doing or give the impression that I think I'm better or that I think I'm special. I certainly never wanted to be anyone's leader or to start a movement. I think the the big thing for me is that if you have a legitimate spiritual experience, you're so humbled and so blessed by it and the amount of love you feel during it. You just want everybody else to feel that love with you. You don't want to love greater than everybody else or put yourself on a pedestal above everybody else. You want everybody to be in that moment of just incredible divine love with you because there's no feeling like it on earth. Now, before we get into talking about some of my experiences, I'd like to say that I talk here on this show a lot, uh, again, about the apostles, the, the apostolic fathers and what they taught and the deposit of faith that they left for Christianity. And I think those things are very important, the traditions and the teachings of the past, those who founded the faith, those who walked with Christ. And even understanding scripture correctly, 
because all these things act as guidelines in our lives. So if we're having an experience that goes outside of those guidelines, we might ask ourselves, is this a good experience? Is this a right experience? Or could this end up being something that it feels good at the moment? But its ultimate conclusion could be harmful or detrimental in some way. So those teachings, those beliefs, those guidelines of the past that were given to us by the ancient fathers and the apostles who taught them are extremely important in our spiritual walk. We see a lot of modern Christians today talking about the visions that they've had or the experiences that they've had. And again, sometimes they come off very angry or egocentric or like they're above everyone else, like they're the leader, they're the new prophet and everybody needs to adhere to what they're saying. And some of these things, even though they claim to be Christians, they say they've had these visions and these dreams, and they're very contrary to the scriptures, to the teachings of Christ, and certainly to the teachings of the ancient fathers. And I think they, they run into this kind of trouble because they've completely disregarded those guidelines that were given to us in the past. Or perhaps they don't even know that they exist, so anything goes. They don't know how to balance or temper their experiences with divine truth. But as much as all those things are important, I also feel that a personal relationship with God is extremely important. Ours is not a by-the-book relationship or by-the-book religion. When you get into that sort of relationship or belief system about God, it can become uh, rather dull or even cultic. This is what the organization tells you you must do. This is what the organization tells you you must believe. And those parameters that they set can become um, very entangled in man-made doctrines and theologies. As I've always said, there's a great difference in knowing about God or thinking we know about God and then actually knowing God. And when it comes to the subject of God and the afterlife, there's certainly a lot that we don't know, a lot that we don't understand. So what I want to share with you in this episode is my earliest memories of life, my earliest spiritual experiences in life. I've always found them very curious, and there's no better place that I've described those experiences than in my book, An Angel Came Down. So I'd like to read from the prelude of that book called Shadows, Dreams, and Visions. And occasionally I will stop and give commentary on what I'm reading. Because again, I don't think I've ever said it 
any better than I have right here. So let's begin to read the prelude to my life, which is shadows, dreams, and visions. The small bedroom was draped in gray shadows as the tiny nightlight struggled to illuminate the growing nightfall. As I gazed through the bars of my wooden crib, I could make out the smiling pig that was stenciled on the dresser across the room. Suddenly, in the corner next to the dresser, something peculiar caught my eye. A phantom shape seemed to sway in the murky shadows. It appeared to be moving side to side, as if it were pacing. Then every so often, it would take a hesitant step toward where I lay before retreating back into the darkness. I was neither frightened nor made anxious by this mysterious figure that hung in the dimness, but rather I felt hopeful, hopeful that someone I knew was about to emerge from the shadows and take me back home. It wasn't mommy or daddy that I anticipated the arrival of. Neither was it grandma or grandpa, nor any of the other familiar faces that I had come to know. It was someone else that I desired to see at that moment, someone that I missed greatly, but I didn't know exactly who. All I knew, in my own way, at that time, is that I wanted to go home. I lay there gazing into the shadows for quite some time. I can even remember reaching out to the figure several times when it moved in my direction. I wanted so badly for it to be the person that I missed so deeply. I wanted them to come out of the blackness and take me back to that place that I longed to return to, even though I didn't remember where that place was. Most people don't have memories that reach all the way back to the cradle, but I certainly do. The incident with this shadowy figure in my room is one of my earliest memories in life. I suppose one could chalk such a recollection up to blurred misconceptions of a foggy childhood memory. But as I remember, the figure returned often throughout my young life. When I finally graduated from the crib to the bed, I remember the figure standing close by. I would drift off to sleep feeling content that someone familiar was near. When I was very young and sick with the croup, the figure sat at the end of the bed and seemed to watch over me. As many times as the figure would appear, I always hoped that it would make itself known. I felt in my heart that it was someone I knew, someone from that other home I had before I came to this one. Now I want to pause there and just talk about that for a second because these memories 
of this shadowy figure in my room when I was literally a baby. I, I didn't even know how to speak yet. Are so vivid. I remember them so clearly. I remember when I did graduate from the cradle to the bed and was able to speak and the shadow was still there. I remember being a baby in the crib and I, I couldn't form words. I couldn't speak, but I had this feeling and I remember that feeling so well that I just wanted to go home. Although I wasn't sure where home was and who this person or these people were that I was missing so much. And the strange thing about it is now at the age of 53 years old, that feeling has been with me pretty much all of my life. That feeling that this is not my real home. It's not the real home of any of us. There's a greater place that we came from and a greater place that we will return to. And it is a place of incredible peace and love and kindness. The likes that we cannot even fathom in this particular world. To continue reading. As I began to mature and grow, I somehow felt like a stranger in a strange land. This world seemed alien to me, and I couldn't understand some of its ways. I also didn't understand why people didn't know what I was thinking, like they did when I was in that other place. But again, I didn't know what that other place was. All I knew for sure is that the other place was my real home, and I missed it very much. When I was about three years old, I began to watch the people around me. I studied their behavior and wondered about some of the things that they would do. When adults would have a spat or use unkind words, I would wonder why they didn't realize that love was supposed to be the law that we lived by. In those, er in those early years of my existence, something else began to happen that I found very curious. I can recall thinking about who I was before I came into this world. Was I always me or was I someone else? I would wonder if I would come back here when I died or would I get to stay in that place where I wanted to be? I would also have very vivid memories, visions even, of peering through a hole above this earthly plane and surveying the landscape below. I could see something like thick swirling storm clouds all around me and below were roads, houses, and grassy fields. In those visionary moments, I could also remember having the presence of others around me. It was almost as if they were showing me the place that I would soon have to enter into. I remember feeling very strange after these visions would pass, and I wondered what it all meant. It was during these odd experiences that I also began to get a sense 
that we were all from this other place, yet no one ever talked about it. Now again, I want to pause there and and talk about these visions. I remember when they started, uh, I probably was around three years old, and I would have them occasionally now. I'm not one who really believes in reincarnation. I'm more of uh, the belief that the soul exists in heaven with God in that heavenly realm before it comes into this world. I believe we all start off as pure souls. But we have to go through this life experience. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to make right choices. We have to perhaps mature in Christ. It's always been very curious to me because I don't have all the answers other than that I believe and generally say I feel like we've all existed in heaven with God in that other realm somehow, somewhere before we came here. And those visions, I remember one time I was in the second grade and the gymnasium at that time was also the auditorium. There was a little stage in the back of the gymnasium and there was uh, about three or four wooden steps that led up to the little platform. So it served as the, the auditorium in the, the lower uh, grades in my school. If there was uh, one time there was a magician there, one time there was some people playing music. So it's where we would have assemblies. They would put chairs in the gym and we would all sit in front of the little stage and watch. And this was gym class and we were, we were all lined up in a row. I don't remember what game we were going to play, but the gym teacher was explaining it to us. And my friend Jeff was standing next to me. Now, I was maybe six or seven at, at that time. And I remember standing there when suddenly I wasn't even in the gym and the gymnasium anymore. I was in that hole in the sky looking down at the earth. And I saw this mobile home. It was kind of a mint green color. It was old. It looked run down. There were some child's toys in the front yard. The yard was very spotty. Uh, some grass, but a lot of patches of dirt. It almost looked like it was uh, near a desert somewhere. And I remember looking down at this trailer, this mobile home and thinking, is that where I'm going? Is that where I used to live? Who will I be and where will I go when I leave this world? And then suddenly I was back in the gymnasium and the vision was so strong that it literally buckled my knees. And I remember backing up out of the line and sitting on the, the little steps by the stage because they were right behind me. And uh, the gym teacher asked me what was wrong. I tried to just tell him, well, I felt sick. I felt dizzy. And he, uh, at that time, just yelled at me and told me to get back in line or he'd give me something to feel dizzy about. And 
that was the end of that. But uh, I remember that incident in the second grade very clearly. It was uh, very strange, very, very uh, strange indeed, and I didn't know what to make of it. So to continue to read. Visions seemed to be a part of my early childhood. They would sometimes pop up almost as if they were overtaking reality. Then just as quickly, they would be gone. I can recall one Christmas Eve when I was quite young. My parents, brother and I were at my grandparents' house. I don't recall much about that evening, except that when it grew dark, I became very sleepy. I remember my parents saying that they better get me home to bed and my father picking me up from the couch where I was sitting. At that time, we lived right next door to my grandparents, so home was a short walk up a small hill. I remember as my father carried me up the hill, my surroundings changed as if someone had inserted a different background into my world. The dark night was suddenly lit with Christmas lights that hung on nearby trees. The warm glow of candles lined the small path that led to home. Over to my right, there was an old-fashioned lamp post decorated with a green garland and a red bow. The street lamp beamed with a golden halo. By candle or electric light, I could not tell. I remember it was snowing and the ground was covered in a blanket of white. I can then recall seeing movement beyond the street lamp's radiance. It almost seemed as if a small group of people were scurrying about in the shadows of the night. Then all at once, a mysterious woman emerged from the silhouetted group and stood in the street lamp's golden hue. I cannot recall the woman's face. However, I do remember that she wore a long brown coat and had blonde hair pulled back into a ponytail. The woman looked at me and smiled. Merry Christmas, she whispered in a soft tone as my father carried me past her. My father didn't acknowledge the woman, and I didn't offer to speak back to her. I just stared at her and all the mesmerizing sights around me. Then, in the blink of an eye, it all vanished from my sight as we approached the familiar door of home, my earthly home. I knew that all this was not a dream. I was wide awake, and of that fact, I am sure. In my older years, I inquired to my parents about that lavish outdoor decorations that were set up when I was a small child. They informed me that no such decorations were ever put out when we lived in the house of my very early years. As for the woman, some may speculate that she was a kind neighbor, but we had no neighbors around us at the time. The two houses where my grandparents and parents lived in those days were isolated out in the country. There were no other houses or neighbors nearby. I can also remember the strange dreams I sometimes had as a child. I would often dream 
that I was in the hole in the sky looking down at life on earth. I would be protesting in those dreams about leaving my home on the other side of the hole. In the end, however, I would realize that I had to come here, and a strong wind would carry me down toward the earth below. I can also remember taking a nap on my grandmother's couch and dreaming that the cushions would open like a set of translucent double doors. I would drift through the ethereal doorway and flow upwards toward the hole in the sky. I could see hazy images in those dreams, images of figures with arms open, as if welcoming me back to where I once resided. I would awake from those dreams and immediately take in my surroundings. I can recall feeling a bit disappointed to see that I was still in my secondary home. Once I even prowled around my grandmother's house looking for my shadowy friend. I could feel their presence all around me, but I could not find them no matter how hard I searched. The world of dreams and shadows was the one I experienced for quite some time in my childhood. It was sometimes a mysterious world, yet it somehow seemed completely normal. I didn't question these things, but then again, I didn't have the in intellect as a small boy to do so. Then one day, my mysterious little world suddenly changed when my parents moved the family into a new home. The realm of visions and filmy forms was left then behind for a life that would become increasingly more complicated as the years went on. And so that is the prelude to my life and the things that I remember from my childhood. They say that children, especially little babies, are more connected with God or the spirits from heaven than adults are. So maybe that is true. Maybe I remember something that most people don't. Although in my older years, I'm finding more and more people who have had similar experiences. What does some of it mean? I'm still not entirely sure. But there's one thing that I know for certain, and that is that other home that we all come from, that place with God that we call heaven, is a place of great love, great peace, great kindness, and goodness toward all. And that sadly, we have it so backwards here in the way that we treat one another, run our countries and our towns and our cities and sometimes even our communities and homes. The unfair and greedy systems that we have created are nothing but the menageries of men who are trying to build power and prestige for themselves. But money or nothing else in this world can ever buy or replace what awaits us in that greater world beyond this world. 
And if we come across religions and movements that claim to be of God and of Christ, and they are filled with contradictions and judgment and hatred and violence and egotism and arrogance, we can know assuredly that these things are not from God, because God is none of those things. When we meet people or religious groups who make God out to be angry or overcomplicated or impersonal, again, God is none of these things. God is love, the likes we have never known. We here in this world hardly know what love truly is. So how could we ever have a proper concept of the great divine spirit? I've literally known for 53 years that this world is not my real home. It's not the real home to any of us. Some people say that this is nothing but an illusion. And in many ways it is. This life can be beautiful. And there are many blessings that I have in this life. And I'm sure many of you do too. But on the deeper soul level, I've always really felt that I want nothing from this world. And I don't want to conform to its ways. Because its ways are lost and confused. Maybe this is the difference between religious people and people who truly know God or truly know Christ. Because those who have that deeper connection and have truly walked with Him have a certain love and a certain peace and a certain glow and acceptance and brotherly love toward their fellow human beings that the average religionist lacks or just doesn't seem to understand. To them, that kind of connection with God is too much about love and lacks in the wrath and judgment of God. And this reflects their anger toward the world because they want to see bad people suffer and they want to see this world meet its final demise. But then sometimes I look at those kinds of people and I say, maybe there's a part of them that remembers where they came from. Maybe they feel like strangers in a strange land as well. And maybe they're just angry. And perhaps they don't even know why because maybe they resent where they are. And rather than learning the lessons in love and walking in that state of grace that Christ has obtained for us, they're just awaiting that judgment when this will be all over and done and finished. Sometimes I've talked to other Christian people about these experiences that I've had and they'll say, well, this could be demonic, this could be satanic, this could be uh, something evil. But I often discount those thoughts and those theories because, again, the amount of love that I felt was life-changing, life-altering. It's what put me on the path that I'm on right now in my life. 
And I often reflect back to the life of Jesus Christ, who many times there were angels that came and ministered to him, and that he communicated with the departed souls of Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And these men were long dead. And some people may say, well, he did that because he was the Son of God. He was Christ. But he also said, the things that I do, you will do also in greater things than these. And sometimes I don't understand that we don't grasp that concept that on a spiritual and mystic level, we can have those Christ-like experiences. But yes, we must use the teachings of Christ and the deposit of faith from the ancient past to balance and interpret these experiences that we might have. The ancient Christians, the Catholic Church, and Orthodox Christians always believed in the communion of saints. Those who have gone before us, still being around us, still being aware, watching over us, helping us, praying for us. And I, for one, believe that they're right. I'm Paul James Caden. This is the Mystic Fire. I thank you for listening, and until next time, stay blessed, walk with God, and I'll see you next time here on The Mystic Fire.